Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. It's my privilege this evening to be able to introduce our speaker. He offered me $20 not to, but I decided I would anyway. I've had the pleasure of knowing Mr. Roger Papias for uh, quite a long while now. When he was a student at IBC up at the old property and, and going through his training there, I got to know him. He was my daughter's Spanish teacher for a while up at the old property. Um, she said that maybe I shouldn't share this story, but I will anyway. Uh, I, I reached out to her because I needed to have some material, and she said, when our class acted out, Roger would make us do jumping jacks while conjugating Spanish verbs. I don't remember a lot about Spanish, she says, but I can still conjugate verbs, so you need to be careful this evening, or you may walk out more physically fit than when you came in. Roger went on from IBCS, had the opportunity to minister in Mexico, and then went on from there to um, to minister in Puerto Rico as well, where he has become a pastor, where he met his wife, where he has uh, had two lovely children. I have, I have enjoyed my friendship with Roger. If you haven't had the chance to sit with him, talk with him, spend some time with him, you really should. I've also very much enjoyed getting to hear him speak over the years and, and listening to the challenges that he brings. He's an engaging and a challenging speaker, and I know that you'll get something out of what he presents to us this evening. Thank you, Brother Payne, for that introduction. None of it is true. Yeah, what? what? <laughs> Amen. I am privileged to be here tonight and to share with you God's word. It is a great privilege. Uh, part of me, my heart, my heart, my heart is in my throat right now. It's the first time I've had the privilege of speaking at Tri-City Baptist Church. And uh, it is an emotional time because uh, there's a lot of people that I miss. Dr. Sproul, uh, Dr. Tetrell, uh, Dr. Gebhardt, Dr. Bushy, and all these men have played a great role in my life and uh, left behind part of them in me. I, 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 I praise the Lord for them and the impact that they have had in my life personally. Uh, with that, and we begin tonight, and I want to share with you a quick passage, uh, Matthew chapter 28. So I preached this message in chapel in the college. If you're here and you heard it before, you'll get a second helping. Matthew chapter 28. And we read from verse 16 to the end of the chapter, Matthew chapter 28. And shall we all stand to give reverence to God's word? Matthew chapter 28. Amen. The word of God says, Then the eleven disciples went away into, into Bethlehem, Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me 
in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always until the end of the world. Amen. Let us pray. Father, make me a blessing, Father, to your people tonight. May it be you who speak and not me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have your seats. In Matthew chapter 28, we see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ leaving with his disciples what is, now we know as, the Great Commission. Giving them his final uh, uh, mission that they should accomplish in the world today, to go out and tell men about him. And many times as we read this passage, we, we, we visualize and we think that the Great Commission is merely going on doors, knocking and telling people, hey, Jesus loves you. Would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? But it's more than that. I'd like to, if I could this morning, tonight, minimize and put in its basic essence what is the Great Commission. As Jesus is standing there and telling his disciples and giving them his final mission, it is this. Jesus tells them, love me and teach others to love me. Love me and teach others to love me. You go, where, where, where is that? I don't see love in this passage here. Is it in the Greek? I mean, what are you talking about? How about verse 20? It says, teaching them to obey all things whatsoever I have, what? Commanded you. Do you see it? Love me and teach others to love me. Wasn't it Jesus himself in John chapter 14 and verse 15 said, If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so Jesus tells them to teach men to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And it's interesting that they now must go and tell men and teach men what? To obey all things that God commanded them. And if they ought to do all things that God has commanded them, in its basic essence is to love God. Do you love God? And are you willing to do all that God has commanded you? If you love me, keep my commandments. And not just some of them, all of them. God wants us to go out and find men who will love him and who are willing to do all that he has commanded. Men who are somehow changed by God's power because they have seen and tasted of God's love. It is the scriptures that tells us that we love God because he, because he first loved us. We love God because he loved us. God loves you. I don't understand why, but he loves you. 
Now, I don't know any one of you that well, but I know me. And I struggle with that. Why does God love me? Because I know me. Because I know me. You know, oftentimes I talk to the Lord and I said, Lord, but why, why do you want to use me? Use somebody else. They're much better than I. And God says, I want to use you. But why, why do you love me? And why, why me? I don't see anything in me that you would, is loving that you would want to save. Yet scripture tells me, but, for, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while I was a sinner, he loved me. And gave his precious son to pay the penalty for my sin. And for yours. Why does God love you? Insignificant you. Broken, imperfect you. Do you think that God says something special in you and said, you know, that Nathan, just is something about him. I, I like him. There was nothing good in us. There was nothing worthy in us. Yet God loved us. Do you know why? Do you know why? Let me illustrate. Imagine with me that this was $100. Missionary. Don't have any money. Anyway, 100 bucks. And I asked you, hey, who wants $100? Nobody here is doing that. But in a college group and a, and, and a, a high schooler, everybody's hands are up like, crazy, I want 100 bucks. Would you still want it if I did this? Would you still want it? How about this? You still want it? Oh, come on. You still want it? You still want it? Okay, let's get creative right now. Hang on. <laughs> Do you still want it? Why? Because it still has. It still has. Yes. And that's how God looks at us. Even though that we have been marred by sin and broken and corrupted, we still have value to God. Young and old, we still have value to him. And what God wants to do with us is cleanse us and make us whole again, that he can use us. That he, we can show forth the praises of him who have called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That he would shine his Holy Spirit through us and show and use us to reveal his love. That's what God wants to do. God saved us because we are valuable to him. And even though nobody else thinks you're valuable, God thinks you're valuable. Even when I don't believe I'm valuable, God thinks so. And saves me and wants to use you. But he can't do that the way we are. He saved us. He showed us his unconditional love. And that changed us. 
As we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he gave us his Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And it's very necessary. For us to be able to do all things whatsoever God has commanded us and that we could be a witness and a testimony and that we can go out and and witness Christ, we need his Holy Spirit. It is impossible for us to be a witness without the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 tells us that they were told to wait until they received the power of the Why should we wait? It is impossible to witness Christ in the power of the flesh. And that's what we try to do each day. Project Christ through the power of the flesh. And what God wants to do is that he would like to shine his spirit in us, through us, and show men what he can do with broken people by the power of his Holy Spirit. And that you are willing to do all that God has commanded you. I don't want to know how much you know about God. I want to know how willing you are to do all that he has commanded you. We live today in a Christian society that live not according to what God's word says, but what they feel. But I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Where are the Christians who say, I do this or I don't do this, not because pastor says or because Tri-City Baptist Church teaches, but because God says. And that you are able to build your life upon the word of God. That I do this or I do not do this because God tells me and because I love him. And as we live obedient to his spirit and his, and his love shines through us, others see it and are drawn. Let your light so shine before that they may see your good works and say, good looking black guy there, yeah. It's amazing how as we live through the power of God's spirit, he changes us. And as we humble ourselves, he's able to shine through us. What God wants is that we would be submitted to his authority. Does your life challenge others to live for Christ? Are you salt that as men look at you and they see your love for Jesus, that they want to live for Christ? That it would change men so much because they see your love for him and that you are willing to do all that God has commanded you love him now it's difficult to teach others to love God when you don't love God it's difficult to teach others to be faithful to God when you are not faithful to God it's difficult to tell others hey you should be faithful at church when we are not It's difficult to tell others, hey, you should forgive when we don't forgive. And Spirit of God speaks to you. Does God's Spirit speak to you? His Holy Spirit that he left in you, that he would speak to you to make you more like him. To love him. 
God wants us to go out and love him in such a way that as men see the way we love God, it will change them and draw them to the Savior. It's amazing what excites us today. Does church excite you? I love Mrs. Thursbach's post of next Sunday and the little baby. <laughs> Can't wait to get to church. Is that how you feel? Or is that something I have to take off? I have to be okay. We're here. I'm good. We have lost our excitement, our zeal, our love for him, that we want to be in his house. Not because somebody says, or or we are pushed to, but because we want to. And that we would want to come to know him and grow in him, and that our lives would impact others. Does your life encourage others to live for God? Because they see your love for him. Do you love him? And are you willing to do all that God has commanded you? You read in the Old Testament, and that's all we see. Look at any character, that that person that we see in the Old Testament. Every single one of them had that basic principle in their lives. Let's take Noah. Throw Noah up there. The Bible tells us in in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 22, And Noah did all that God had commanded him. Noah wasn't a superman. He just did exactly what God commanded him to do. God says, go build an ark. In the middle of nowhere, Lord? Yes. Okay. And he built it. God says, go and speak to men. For 120 years he preached and nobody came. Was his ministry successful? Yes, it was. Because he did exactly what God had commanded him. Abraham. Abraham did exactly what God had commanded him. God says, I will give you a son. And Abraham waited 11 years. Didn't come. And he did like many of us. When God doesn't answer our prayers, what do we do? And mix it up and We'll do it our way. We'll make it work. And God says, no. In my time, I will give you what I said. And waited. How many of us would wait for God's will for 25 years and do exactly what God commanded us? One of the greatest challenges when I read the scriptures and I read person's One of them that challenges me the most is Naomi from the book of Ruth. What in the world? A simple woman who left her home, went to a foreign nation, and had one of the greatest impacts in the world and reached one person. If you read the book of Ruth in chapter 1, you read, the only thing that comes out of her mouth, and the Lord, the Lord has been, the Lord's hand is heavy upon me. And God has did this. Uh, go, my, my, my child. God is. Everything that comes out of her mouth is the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. What excites you? What excites you? When you speak about the Lord, what, how great he is, and that you love him, 
and that we are like the two men to Emmaus, that as we open the scriptures and God speak to us, we say, did our hearts not burn when he opened unto us the scriptures? And it excites us. And that we love him more. Naomi would impact Ruth in such a way that that woman would want to leave everything behind father, mother, land, and move to a place that she did not know. Why? What impacted her so much that would have her leave everything behind and want to go with Naomi? Was she rich? Was she going back to a mansion in Jerusalem, in, in, in Israel? Naomi says to her, go back to your people and to your gods. No, I won't. And she was determined. I won't go back. I'm going with you. Does our life challenge men to want to serve God? And to want to love God? And the only way that we can do this is if we submit to the power of God's Holy Spirit. Do you hear his voice? Does God speak to you? My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they and they follow me. Disciple. That we hear his voice and that we are willing to follow and do exactly what he commands us. Does God speak to you? Let me illustrate. So your wife tells you, and you go, and you walk out of the room. And two minutes later, Holy Spirit comes, puts his hand on your shoulder, and says, hey. That's all he says. He just comes, puts your, his hand on your shoulder, and says, Hey, have you had that happen to you? And you feel that prick in your chest. And he begins to speak to you and says, hey, the way you reacted, it's not Christ-like. And you humble yourself, right? And you do what God has commanded you. And we go, and I go to my wife, and I tell my wife, forgive me. The way I spoke to you was wrong. Please forgive me. And I eat, like we say in English, what? Humble pie. Not very nice, no? But I don't want to please me. I want to please him. I want to love him. And I want to do what he has commanded me. And I see Brother Shoemate sitting right there. And I don't even like Brother Shoemate. And every time he comes in here, he doesn't look at me, doesn't even greet me. I don't like him. But as a Christian, I don't live by what I feel or what I think, but what God says. And as I come in his house and offer up offerings, the Bible tells me if you come and you offer up God's praise and remember that a brother has something against you, leave your offering and go make it right. And you are willing to do all 
that God hath commanded you. Yes? That because you love God, you would put yourself and say, I will do not what I feel like, what my flesh wants, but what God wants. And that we would have an army of Christians who would be able, who would be willing to do all that God has commanded him. And at the moment's notice, God says, I want, and everybody would run forth and say, Lord, whatever you'd have me to do, I would go. But today we have a Christianity that even God speaks, we choose to listen or not. I believe that one of the greatest sins against the Holy Spirit is grieving him. It's grieving him. You know what that means? You see, when you sin against him, I believe that one of the greatest sins against the Holy Spirit is not that you, you think, oh, if you rob or if you say something bad or you... I think the biggest sin against the Holy Spirit is not listening to him. Do you hear his voice? Does he speak to you? Do you think that conviction is a bad thing? It's one of the greatest things in the world. It's a wonderful thing. Do you know why? Because if you receive conviction from his Holy Spirit, it means that God, it means that God is speaking to you. Difficult thing is that when you don't hear God's voice. I heard a preacher said once that at an invitation time, he said, many people, you know, give an invitation and, and people would come forward and there'd be some people in the, in the crowd, you know, with one eye open to see who goes forward. Let me see. Let me see if Mr. Uh, Brother Eddington is going forward. He has problems. You know, he needs to go forward. I know a couple of people that need to go forward that's not going forward. Yeah, yeah. Instead, you should be saying, Lord, why did you speak to him and not me? Speak to me. Because every time somebody comes down the aisle and goes, it's because God is what? Speaking to them. Do you hear his voice? And as we submit to him, and we submit under his authority, we begin to hear his voice more. And his voice becomes all-consuming in us because we're willing to do all that he has commanded us. As we ignore him, his voice becomes very small. To a point that we don't even hear him. It is impossible for us to be a witness without his power. Live the Christian life without his power. We can act it, but it will never be successful. I cannot love God apart from the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Because the fruit of the Spirit is, is, love I can produce it the only reason that I can love God in my fallen state is because his Holy Spirit lives in me and speaks to me and as he speaks to me and I listen and I humble myself under his hand he begins to teach me and mold me and make me and even if I don't love brother shoemate I don't I don't love him but I am willing to do what God has commanded me and I go and I say brother shoemate I want to make things right with you. 
and God begins to change my feelings towards Brother Shoemate. Because I don't live by feeling, I live by what God says. Do you live by what God says? And that you are willing to do all that God has commanded you. And as men see your life, that you submit to God's word in every aspect. As your children see that you submit to God's word, that you're willing to admit when you're wrong, that they see God living in you. They see a real God in you. They see the love of God in you. Because you're willing to do all that he has commanded you. This is one of the things that I live for now. Having kids, my greatest desire is that my kids might say, will say one day, I want to serve the God of my fathers. Not because I forced them to. Not because I pushed them to. But because they see that I love God and that I am willing to do all that God has commanded me. Would you give up your firstborn son if God told you to do it? Every one of us are going, well, if God says it, how do I know if he said it? And it's not even that hard. There are certain things that God tells us to do, and we fight with it. It's clear in scripture. It's not what I say. It's not what you open your, the Bible and look and it says it. And are you doing all that God has commanded you? It's right here. He commanded his disciples, they wrote it down, and we have it in our hands, the word of God. God says, each and every one of these men did exactly, the prophets, and the word of the Lord came unto the prophets saying, and they went and said exactly what God said. As men look at you, do they see a man that is marked by the love of God, the willingness to do all that God has commanded him to do. And that they say, this is a, moon of, a woman of God. That's a man of God right there. And not because you are pushed to do it, but because you want to do it. Because you have seen God's love, it has touched you, and it changed you forever. And that you are willing to do it. Are you willing? Are you willing? It's amazing how sometimes we are willing to sacrifice trivial things for him. Can't come to church tonight because there's a football game on. Did I touch a nerve? No, no tomatoes, please. Not saying football is wrong. But when we are more excited to talk about football than to talk about Jesus Christ, then there's a problem. And that I am willing to submit all things. And if God says, take that out, add this in, there is no fight. Yes, sir. Because you are willing to do all that God hath commanded you follower of Jesus Christ you are not your own for you were bought with a price you are no longer yours if not you are here to show forth his glory 
God has saved you that he might shine his Holy Spirit to you to show other men what he can do with broken men that are submitted to him. And he wants to use you. It fascinates me. Do you remember the story of the blind man? Sitting at the gate 40 years. What good is a blind man? And the disciples walk by with Jesus and, and they say, why is this man there? Is it because of his parents' sin or his sin? And Jesus says, none of the above. What in the world? This man has been sitting there 40 years blind just so that Jesus can come by and touch him and heal him. That was his purpose. And he was willing. And God was glorified. Today, many of us are not willing. We all want to... Who, everybody here wants to know God's will. Yes? Everybody wants to know God's will. But we have conditions. I want to know God's will, but I want to know it now. And let me see if it fits. If it fits. I don't know if I can do this, Lord. Uh, probably not. Not my schedule. I don't really like that place. Too hot. Too cold. Uh, I, I, I don't know. We want to know God's will, but we want to choose what parts of it we like. But that you are willing to do all that God has commanded you. No, we pick and choose. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. Are you marked by that? Men look at your life and they see God. They see a life that is submitted to him and a life that is willing to do anything for God. You read in Acts chapter 13, fascinates me the life of David. Fascinates me. When I mention David to you, what first pops into your mind? Bathsheba, right? Bathsheba. It's like a t-shirt I saw once. It says, when I do good, no one remembers. When I do bad, no one forgets. Isn't that right? You heard David and the first thing you think of is Bathsheba. Yeah, it's Oof. Yeah, the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's what? Own heart. Do you realize that that title is not just for David? It should be for every one of us. Do you know what it means? When you read it in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, And God says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. What is God's will? What God wants. What is God's will? What God wants. That we are willing to do everything that God wants. David was that man. David wanted to do everything that God wanted to do. Without reservation. And humbled himself. And was used of him. A broken man. Was he perfect? By not by any stretch of the imagination. But God used him. 
that he would shine his glory through him. Are we willing to submit to him and to do all that he has commanded us? Do you hear his voice? He's speaking to you. What does he want you to do? And you know it. And you're fighting it. Spirit of God is speaking to you, but you're not listening. And you will not obey. You have your plan. You have your way of living the Christian life. Check, check, and check. But he's speaking. For us to be really used of him, we need his Holy Spirit. We need that speaking voice and soldiers of God who are willing to submit to it and say, I will do what God has commanded me because I desire not to please self, but to please him. I will humble myself that he might be glorified. That you would let him shine his glory in you and that others might see it and that might challenge them. Does your life challenge men to live for God? Does your life, like Abraham's life, Noah, men who are willing to do what God tells them to do, even when it costs them, and I think sometimes that's why we're afraid. It'll cost too much. We'll have to give up too much. We'll have to sacrifice too much. Understand this. Before God saved me, I had nothing. I am nothing. All that I am is because of him. Everything that I have is his. Even the breath that I breathe in my nostrils is his. I have nothing. Everything that he has given to me is by his grace. And he can give it, and he has the right to take it away. They are not mine. My wife is not mine. She's God's. My children are not mine. They are God's. That he has entrusted me with them. My life is not mine. It's his. You own nothing. When you understand that, you will be able to freely give and do whatever God has commanded you. Nothing is yours. Everything is his. But he permits you to have it. And as God answers your prayers, that's exactly why. God is not a genie giving you what you want. He is a God that glorifies himself through the answering of your prayers. That you might see how great he is. And that others who look on might see the greatness of God. Does your life, your struggles, whatever you might be going through, health-wise, everything, financially, spiritually, physically, does God know? Does God know? Yes, he does. Does God care? Yes, he does. Does God love you? Yes, he does. He thinks you're valuable? Yes, sir. And everything he gives you, 
is a means on a way that he might shine his glory through you. Have you seen men go through difficult times and the way that they acted just moved you? Wow, this man going through this and he's smiling and he's praising God and what, what in the world? That's not natural. Because it's spiritual. And what you see in this man is something incredible. Wow, he can still praise God even through this. And what you see is not him, but Christ in him. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, yet not I, but Christ, but Christ that lives in me. Does Christ live in you and dominate every part of your life? And that you're willing to submit everything to him. Your pains, your struggles, your dreams. You would sacrifice every one of them to honor him. I close with this. In... Romans chapter 5, Paul tells us uh, one, of the, one of the greatest passages, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The verses before that passage is amazing. And let me give you the Rogers Tended version to that verse. Okay? It says, and let me put it in an illustration. How many of you would give your life for Nathan Messler? Raise your hands, please. I just see one. That's two. How many of you would give your life for your parents? Raise your hands. Give your life for your parents. Okay. How many of you would give your wife life for your wife? You, you best raise your hands. <laughs> or you're sleeping outside. How many of you guys would give your life for me? Thank you so much. I mean... How many of you guys would give your life for your enemy? God did just that. When we were his enemies, he loved us enough to pay, to give himself for us. Why not love him? He was willing to give precious to save us. Now take a piece of paper, divide it in four, and put four things that you love family, your health, your work, your dog Fluffy. Which one are you willing to give up for him? Bye-bye, Fluffy. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be the first thing to go? What about the rest? For him. For him. For him. And that he died for all. That they which henceforth live. Should not live unto themselves. But for him who died. And rose again. Do you live for him? Do you live for him? Or do you live for self? 
and are you a witness of his great love that as men look at you they see Christ in you because you are willing to do all that God hath commanded you.